This is the ZMAR Podcast. Elite Benefits of America helps small and mid-sized companies with their health insurance programs. And now, your host, Butch ZMAR. A lot of people that know me personally know I'm a big book reader. One of the current books is uh, about World War II and uh, the fight with the Japanese and this one of these... Um, you know, veterans that were in this book, and, I, and it's, it talks about a bunch of them that were uh, quasi-war uh, heroes, and so I don't remember specifically which one it was, but he talked about having a bad eye, and then when the draft was occurring, he figured he'd just raise his hand and go, and he went to the Navy, and when he had his bad right eye and they caught on on it uh, during the exam, they kicked him out, and they, they, he failed the, the Navy uh, medical exam. So before records could be transferred or uh, or uh, acknowledged, he went over to the Marines and said, "I hey, I want to do this." Well, he figured out how to adapt to his um, his one eye, and so he was able to pass the medical exam. And then for the shooting, he he kind of just adapted, but he, he kind of just goes along. And um, and at one point, um, while he was in combat, uh, there was a new rifle that showed up and uh somehow I, I don't know the difference of the world war ii firearms but um i guess he was able to shoot from left instead of right which he was more he was lefty anyways and he had a stronger left eye and he was able to shoot better and and get better results and so when i was reading this um obviously uh, because of what we do for benefit programs it made me think about a lot of things that we've done over the years not only just us as an agency but historically for people and employers that are purchasing health insurance, we always uh, we have this bad eye, and uh, we keep shooting one way, and we wonder why we're not getting the results that we we really want and desire out of it. But we kind of figure out as we move along, which is basically what this guy was doing until he figured out that there was this new firearm that he could shoot on his left side and able to shoot better. And a lot of that is with with how we build health plans in the workplace and how we deal with the insurance companies and the vendors. And, and once you find out that there's basically a new, new weapon that you could use, um, you start providing better access, lower costs, you start beating the healthcare curve, uh, you start reversing it, you start having a lot of control. And so the problem is, is people are still shooting with a bad eye and uh, they still can't uh, figure out a better way to do it. There was a recent study that came out of um, a, a group that did a survey for uh, through Forrester um, about healthcare company uh, and customer service, right? And 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 it came out that they're they're bad uh, for and they have been for decades, and so they rank healthcare or health insurance companies. 15 out of 19 surveyed, um, uh, and so they were the bo- near the bottom of the list of how bad customer service really is. As an industry, it's just terrible, right? And the, the service model that they have um, has, has not gotten better at all for over the years. And, and even when it comes down to patient level, there were surveys that were done through, through all this that 40% that were of the patients that were surveyed avoid healthcare, mainly preventative care, just to avoid the billing aspect of it because it's so horrendous and it never improves and never gets better. And it's just crazy how that the customer service on all these insurance companies and, and the interesting part about this Forrester study, they actually, they name carrier insurance companies that you use on a regular basis, big name, branded, billboard, commercial carriers. And I'm not going to mention them, but 
we all know them, right? And what's interesting is um, they sit in a room, right? So a lot of them are um, driven based on some type of stock price, either internal or external. Um, and they sit in a boardroom and says, okay, how do we protect the shareholders and still pay claims, right? They have to make a calculated business decision on whether or not they're going to improve their customer service outcome, right? So they purposely say, we're going to sit in a room and they're not going to increase customer service and just deal with it because it has zero ROI attached to it. So they have no incentive to actually make it better because the reality is, is they still get business no matter what. So like, even when you look at the insurance company standpoint, right? Uh, event, you still need insurance and they do a lot of marketing and eventually you'll always be there and they'll always have customers because the big, the big ones capture majority of the marketplace to begin with. Right. And, and, the proof in the pudding for this is their stock prices. Um, my understanding from when I was reading this, um, that even just as of recently in 2023, that their stock prices are the highest in ever. Now there's some nonprofits out there that don't have publicly traded stock company, but they're profiting more and more as a nonprofit, if you want to call it that. But also in the healthcare system, you know, they the 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 hospital and the providers they have bad incentive uh, to improve outcomes because they know that you're going to avoid certain services such as preventive care that could actually reduce the cost of healthcare in general, but because they know it's gonna, you're not going to do anything until it gets bad enough and you're going to come back to them anyways. So they're going to get the business and it's going to be more expensive. So they're better off trying to bill you for expenses when it gets more expensive than worry about whether or not you come in early enough and detect it early enough where the costs are lower. So just, it's a uh, uh, financial decision that they make. Um, but if you look at other industries, right? So we got shoe companies like Zappos and they got Nordstrom and the Ritz Hotel, right? They, they have um, direct impact to the bottom line based on how they treat people and the customer service, right? In healthcare, there is no incentive. It's not designed that way. And, and the reality is what it comes down to is no one's taking responsibility for the problem. They defer it. They push it to somebody else and claim it somebody else. How many times have you called the provider and said, hey, something's wrong with this bill. I don't know what it is yet. They say, oh, yeah, it's the insurance company's fault. Call them. You call the insurance company. The insurance company says the provider billed it wrong or they filed it wrong or they didn't do what they were supposed to. So who's at, who's at fault there, right? Like you're stuck in the middle of it all. So, and I mentioned this claim before. So even on a personal basis, we had a claim from a hospital uh, for my son and they tried billing me $13,000 and some change. So I call them and says, hey, this is an inaccurate. I have health insurance. They said, call your insurance company. That's what they told us. And well, the reality is, is they had it wrong, not only once, but they had it wrong twice. Um, and the second time was one year after the claim, they uh, reconciled again. And it was because of misfilings by the hospital. So it's just kind of interesting where the billings um, that come through and who who's responsible for it and who's going to fix the claim. There are times the insurance company processes it wrong too, and that's okay too. But you have to obviously call them and, and get them to own up to it and fix the problem. And even in my own personal claims, we've had a ton. Like uh, So anybody listening to this that knows who me personally, my boys are going through a bunch of stuff here and there, just boys will be boys. And 90% of the claims that we have received so far in the last two years have been inaccurate. If that tells you how inaccurate the whole billing system is, there's been a flaw somewhere in it 90% of the time. And you can't take it for face value. Just because you get an invoice from a provider doesn't mean that 
it's going to be accurate. Like here's another prime example. I just recently got one of the bills. They're actually charging me more than what the explanation of benefits um, said. So when I called them, they just said, oops, sorry about that. But they sent me an invoice trying to get me to pay for it. Um, and so just errors all over the place and you just have to put a little skid in the game. Some pe people throw their hands up and say, I don't understand this. I don't have time for this. Well, you know what? You don't have time to not um, uh, deal with it. And then that's the issue, right? You have to put skin in the game and figure it out. It does take some time. You just have to put it in just like everything else. You make decisions and you make priorities um, that fit your needs. Well, this is, has to be fit in your name. You don't need to go to Starbucks. You could avoid that visit and figure this out because it probably won't take you 10, 15 minutes. So some say the healthcare system is broken, but the reality is it's working exactly the way it was designed. Healthcare has um, money in mind only, uh, not outcomes, right? Sure, you might have some people have really good bedside manner, and they probably really, really do care about their patients. But I'm just saying everything is about a dollar. And if the, the dollar isn't high enough, you're gone. The, the, the physician's not sticking around. Um, and so it's all about the almighty dollar when it comes to healthcare. And they don't really care about you as much um, as far as claim payments and what you owe because they don't really, they're heartless about it, actually. And so um, the customer, the true customer is actually the insurance company because they're the one with the bigger purse and they could care less about what claims are. Whereas you're going to say, whoa, whoa, hold on. Why are you billing me $400? They don't want to deal with that. They don't even want to deal with the $4,000 bill that you complain about. They just want it paid. They don't care. Uh, they're going to charge what they need and that's it. And so... And it's crazy the amount of services, uh, what they bill for. They can make up almost any number. We had an employer account recently. We get an expense report uh, for it, um, which most plans don't. But um, and, and I recommend any employer listen to this, that they should move to a plan that provides an expense report. And so they had an expense report that the original billed amount to the insurance company was in the hundreds of thousands of dollars. And... Uh, the amount paid or allotted for claims was in the 30,000s. So they come up with this huge number that doesn't make any sense, and it gets reduced down to what the payable is. Even pharmacies do this, and there's a very, very, very large pharmacy that I'm not going to mention their name, but uh, uh, they, they, I, I despise them in a lot of ways, because mainly because if you, let's say you went there for a prescription drug and you never um, gone to them for a prescription, a prescription drug. Somehow they have access to this database. Don't ask me details on that because I don't know how they get access to it, but they got a database to verify if you have insurance. And it'll populate and say, oh, you have, you know, so-and-so insurance company. And you ask them, well, I was thinking about paying cash. What's the cash price? Well, they're going to say, well, you have insurance. We cannot give you the cash price. And there's no law that says that. It's proof in the pudding that the insurance company is their customer and not you. And so, and... The insurance company um, is overpaying for most of the drugs. They pad them and they get rebates on it. And, then, and they've been sued for it and some won, some lost. But, and it's getting crazier and crazier. And some of those pharmaceutical ends of these insurance companies are what's keeping the health insurance profitable for the insurance company. And so there's tons of money in there and they pad them. And obviously this pharmacy is um, advocating for that. Uh, versus the cash rate. There are plenty of other pharmacies out there nationwide that you ask them what's the price for the cash price, and then you ask them what is the price with the insurance, and they will provide that to you and tell you which one's going to be the lesser option, right? Sure, maybe 
you can't uh, accumulate to your max out of pocket over a $5 drug that you pay cash for instead of using the insurance. But you can make that economic decisions at the pharmacy. You could say, well, I'll just pay the $20 or whatever it is towards my insurance because I need to meet my max out of pocket. Whatever you decide, everybody's different. But I, I tell you, if you knew there was a cash difference um, and it was big enough, you might just say, I'm just going to pay cash because it's, it's my money anyways. So, but employers are going to have to get more skin in the game. And part of the Consolidated Appropriations Act or CAA, um, it's going to come to light a lot more. It's been there for three years now. And uh, more and more employers are going to realize that it's there because they're imposing uh, a fiduciary responsibility for the employer for providing a health plan to their employees as a fringe benefit. And they have to show that they make uh, do their due diligence on the health plan to make sure that they're offering the most uh, comprehensive coverage for the most reasonable cost. And just by spreadsheeting plans is no longer enough. And increasing your deductible to lower your premiums is not enough anymore. You actually have to do your work. Now you could outsource it and you're gonna pay for it and that's fine and respectable. Um, pay experts to do what you do with your taxes, legal work, HR, all kinds of stuff. You, you outsource consulting all the time, why not? do it this way. And you should, because you don't have the time to deal with this. But most of the time it's going to, it's ignored and it will be ignored going forward. And, and there's going to be penalties imposed on those employers that decide that they're trusting their current broker for 25 years. So why change? Um, and they're believing their broker and the broker's not competent or even aware of the CAA is even doing this. Um, and that's, that's common. Even Locally, there's some brokers that have no idea uh, about this topic other than listening to me talk about it. And so, and there's other brokers that are out there, insurance consultants that are actually um, speaking about it a lot more with a megaphone and telling the world that they need to change the way they do their business because otherwise you're going to get a penalty and um, it's going to be, it's not going to be small. It's going to be pretty hefty. At the same time, brokers have a financial incentive to retain the business where it's at. They have a uh, most of them on the big level, especially if you're dealing with large shops, have bonuses for retention, right? And the reality is, is it, that it forces the broker not to look at alternative options that might be in your favor and, and force them to come up with some creative idea about why this is good to stay where you're at. And they get paid and compensated well for it, or at least the agency. And if, you, if they're one of their insurance agents that are working for them or consultants, and they're moving carriers, they're going to get fired. And it's already happening in Chicago um, that um, these out-of-box consultants are um, talking about better options for the employer and not retaining it and then screwing up their bonuses and they're moving to another firm, right? Because uh, for, and they're being forced out. So, and one, one example is sometimes we get align ourselves with big companies and we can sell services and vendors and insurance products and we're still the agent, um, but it kind of aligns yourself with bigger houses. Um, sometimes there could be a split of commissions, so we're not doing as much service work. Uh, it's like dealing with a distributor, I guess, in some ways where the distributor actually uh, helps the retail end with whatever they need to make sure they sell products and push product out the door. It's almost the same thing. And so, you know, in a recent conversation, they were bragging about, uh, the first thing they were bragging about was premium reductions. They have so much clout that they could reduce premiums because of the uh, their business. But the reality is, is 
all of us could do that. We just have to ask for it. And that's my problem with the industry is if you can't give your best price initially, why am I going to sell you? Why do I have to come back and give you a competitive quote so you could reduce it? I, I just think that, sure, that's competitive markets out there. But I, I'm telling you, if I'm building a relationship with somebody and I have that kind of relationship that I could call and ask them for a 10% discount or whatever it might be, um, then why in the world are you giving me the price of 10% higher to begin with? But um, but they were pounding their chest for that. And that's the wiggle room that some of these insurance brokers and consultants have out there when you get your renewal and say, hey, and they come to you and said, hey, you, you initially got a 25% increase, but I went back to them and said, you're a good client of mine and we have a good relationship with the vendor and the insurance company. And they knocked off uh, five points. So now it's 20% versus five. Or even if it was lower, it was an 8% increase and we got you down to six, right? I, I'm the hero of the day because I did it, right? But it's already built in, right? It's not anything new. It's not anything special. Um, it's just the reason that I think this outfit was sharing that with me is, they probably were thinking that I was too small to think that it was even uh, even there. And it's there for everybody. The other thing is that they were trying to throw my way is they'd share the bonuses. So you want uh, so I, I responded and said, so you want me to be unethical to my clients so that the two of us could make more money. And then it was just silence on the phone. And I was like, I'm not interested um, because I'm not going to put myself in a, a situation where I'm incentivized by a bonus, even though I can move an employer to a better spot and they get the bonus of the savings or more efficient health plan or better incentives, whatever it might be on their side, not mine. Um, and so even though we're all in business to make money, like for example, there's an insurance company with a small group market. Uh, it's really, really big in Illinois. It hasn't increased their commissions for us. Um, it's a flat rate per member enrolled. They haven't increased it since 2016, right? So we have inflation, we have increased costs, the whole nine yards. That is completely um, crazy, and they should increase it for us because we're not we're getting paid the same as we were nearly 10 years ago, and so. Um, that's the issue I have with that. And I'm not saying that is unethical. I think we get, we should get paid a reasonable wage for what we do. And that's why I think commissions should be actually eliminated. And we just invoice and employers should be expecting invoices from us, just like any other vendor out there. And one day it might be there. It's just going to take some time. A lot of our open enrollments are either underway or closed. We're, the time of this recording is early December of 2023, but when we go into 2024, um, you can switch plans at any time. So if this strategy that I'm about to share with you that would work in your favor, you can make this move at any time you want, um, or you can wait until next year and, and have a runway of making sure you get it done right. This is really for a market under 50 employees because they don't have the employer mandate. You could still do it with 50 plus, but it takes a lot longer strategy. So yes, we need the runway because we need to change things around drastically inside the company in order to make it work. But it could work out to your favor financially and come out ahead. But for 50 and under, there's no employer mandate of providing health insurance. So a lot of those employers may not even offer insurance or they're struggling to offer insurance, either not paying anything towards the health plan because of the special enrollment period they have from November to December every year that allows an employer to not have any contribution requirements, so which means they're not paying anything towards the plan or even participation. This strategy could uh, 
basically save the employer money. And uh, uh, if not, it'll be pretty close to what you're paying now, but provide better, more value to your employees. And so um, the way we could shift it around, it's got to be the right model and you have to put it together the right way. You can't just wing it and, with any broker that's out there. You have to have people with the, the right set of knowledge with this, right? And this is really, really good for those who are paying their employees uh, minimum wage or a little higher than minimum wage. Um, it's just the nature of the work, whatever it might be. You know, it, they don't make a whole lot of money to pay for their own health insurance when you're not contributing or paying for it. And so a lot of those will actually qualify for taxpayer subsidies uh, through the Affordable Care Act. And uh, sure, you can go to healthcare.gov and just fill it out yourself, but um, it's like uh, shooting in the dark. Um, you need some guidance, some expertise behind it. Uh, it won't be a government program. It'll actually be a, a health insurance plan. It'll be a high deductible, but it could be most likely be a zero premium for you um, or a very low premium. So it's virtually costing you nothing, but the employer still has to have skin in the game to create value for their employer, employees. And so what you're going to do is set up and actually pay for a benefit for uh, your employees, all your employees. It's going to be for everybody, uh, whether they, you provide a carve-out management health insurance plan, you get they get it through their spouse, their higher wage earners, whatever it might be, and then the low wage earners. So you're going to direct, um, purchase a plan through what they call direct primary care. The direct primary care program allows your employees to go to a local clinic. You're not going to another town necessarily. Uh, but it'll be local enough that your employees could actually go there free of charge. It will not cost them to go see a, a physician on staff um, or a PA, depending on the outfit that's there and what, who they're staffing, that they can consult their healthcare needs at no cost. They can go there as much as they want or need to. Uh, and uh, it's kind of like quasi-urgent care, but they don't pay anything for it. It's prepay through a membership, so to speak, of the number of employees that are inside of a company. And so the employer's paying for that. Employees could go there free of charge, um, sick visits, injuries, whatever it might be. Um, and then a lot of them will actually have pharmacies built in. And so when you prescribe the medication, as long as uh, typically it's a generic or preferred generic, uh, not all brand drugs will be there and it'll be no little or no cost. And so you can provide a program where even though you may have a health plan with a high deductible at zero premium because taxpayers are helping them with the bill, um, you're providing them access to a doctor they don't even have to pay anything for. And then if they need some basic needs for drugs, it's, they're already covered. And then you're saving money in most cases, not always, but you might be paying the same amount of money because you, employers need to have skin in the game to make it right and then uh, provide value to their employees. And if you can't do it through a group health insurance plan, this is another alternative. With that in mind, it leads me to a recent article and publication for our industry in the benefits world that talked about six healthcare trends that will shape 2024 group health insurance. And there's a bunch of stuff in here that are probably normal that you would think like mental health is an issue, preventative care, um, drug trans uh, transparency, uh, you know, having access to care. Yeah, obviously, uh, they mentioned a little bit about the next um, presidential election has a huge um, play in the healthcare. But the one thing I wanted to point out as we wrap up this podcast is employers um, want more out of their healthcare plan. So they're going to start evaluating and pr pressing the envelope a little bit on 
they're brokers, they're consultants, the insurance companies, they're pharmacy benefit managers or PBMs, the digital healthcare vendors that provide technology solutions, right? Uh, I don't think they're going to actually go in there and fire them all or put them um, or you know on check for um, all their services, but they're going to start going through it and they're going to start cutting things you know, and firing people because they're going to have more skin in the game. Part of it is going to be due to the Consolidated Appropriations Act. Part of it is just because they're sick and tired of all this and uh, they want to have more control and they don't have enough data to make decisions. So they're just going to um, start holding other people accountable as we should for our healthcare providers when it comes to billing and claims as well as insurance companies um, and um, put everything back in a better state.